Cease what you are doing and listen to me. Stop everything save for the thrumming of your phone that has been set to vibrate instead of ring. Podcasting. It is an especially sweet vice. More elegant than creating a blog and more complex than a YouTube channel where you just put Legos together. What am I talking about? And why am I naked? We're talking about the woman called Fujiko Mine. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and this week we are talking about Lupin the Third, the woman called Fujiko Mine, the first spin-off of the Lupin the Third franchise, and one that focuses on Fujiko herself. But I can't do it alone. Miles, how are you, friend? I'm not doing too bad, Drewji Cakes. <laughs> I I have really enjoyed um our our foray into this franchise and boy howdy do we have a doozy this week this one um, who when when i when we did this one i i know, remember hearing this one was a little more like oh this is uh rated m for mature i and i thought okay maybe it's just you know a little more adult swim because it's, it's modern you know we've been told that before and we teased in the in the episode last week that uh, that this one was supposed to air on Toonami, but the censors would were not, were, had too hard of a time to censor it. And uh, oh, now I, I, now I see why. I scoffed at that a little bit. I scoffed at that I, just I, a little bit until I, um, until, until I watched until the I watched it. <laughs> the opening sequence of this show, and then the closing sequence of the show, and also a bunch of scenes in between those two. Uh, this show is naked a lot. Um, yes it is yes it is uh but that it's it's weird in that it it's kind of exploitative but not exploitative in in a similar i mean it's exploitative in the in the fact that it is certainly trying to harken back to exploitation cinema and television but i think it is turning the exploiting on its head because because the focal point is Fujiko in in this like she is I mean it's it's weird it's kind of book of Boba Fetty because she's the main character but half the time like the, on the episodes that we watched we're also watching someone else's story <laughs> yeah and this is this is called Lupin the Third the woman called Fujiko Mine but let's get back into some of the background on this so th- this is uh, this show well. Uh, came out in 2012 and we have to flash back to 2011 where it was reported that there was going to be a new TV series that would air in Japan. Unfortunately, that TV series only turned out to be a TV special. Um, the, uh, blood seal, the eternal mermaid. Uh, but in 2012, a year later, they announced after, after that, that they were going to move forward with a new series. Uh, and that series, they, they put in the hands of, 
Sayo Yamamoto. Sayo Yamamoto is a, a director who has been involved in a number of things, most famously for a, a, a series called Yuri on Ice, which is. Uh, is that Very about funny. ice skating? Uh, so I, I, I don't know if you're if you're trying to make a joke or not. <laughs> no, I, 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 I believe it is. I don't know a lot yes, about it. Yes, I, it is about it is about uh, skating. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, but Sayo, Sayo Yamamoto, we should talk about, has been involved in a number of other projects. This is also, she is also notably so far the only woman to direct a Lupin the Third project. Um, and choosing to focus it on Fujiko Mine was her call. And also choosing to make it a prequel to all the other Lupin series was her call. And to make it based so much closer to the original manga that was way darker and way more explicit, both violently and sexually that this was, this was all her, her decision. And I got to say, spoiler to the end of this episode. I loved this, loved this. Uh, And I want to talk a little bit about why, because I'm going to list off some of the stuff that that Sayo Yamamoto has worked on. Let's see. She worked on a little show called Samurai Champloo. You ever seen Samurai Champloo, Miles? Yes. Yeah, she was an episode director and storyboard artist. Uh, She uh, was the storyboard and unit director for the opening animation of Persona 5. Um a game that I have spent hundreds of hours playing. She's done work on uh, Attack on Titan. She worked on Evangelion 2.0. And uh, she was actually the assistant director and storyboard artist of a little film called, or a little OVA, excuse me, called Trava Fist Planet. Do you remember Trava Fist Planet, Miles? I do indeed. Oh, she was also uh, the costume design and original artist for the Animatrix World Record. That's another little one. Oh, oh and she was uh, she worked on the storyboard. She was the assistant storyboard uh, to uh, the director of Red of Redline. <laughs> to, uh, who is also involved in this show. And you can really tell because the art style is very specifically red line style. <laughs> yeah. So so this is this is one of those one of those things where you have a lot of creative DNA on stuff that Miles and I have perfect personally loved coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh Takeshi Koike, who was the director of Red Line, worked as the character designer and the animation director. He also did animation direction for the first episode and the opening credits in particular. Um, and when you go and watch this this stuff, you can see the way that this is styled is very much in his style. And the two of them, Yamamoto and Koike have worked together for years on different projects. So it's, it's completely natural for the two of them to work together. Um, and I, I, I loved, uh, I loved, I didn't know that at the time starting watching it. And miles, you said something similar to me. It's like, any red line people work on this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I, 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 I was like, I'm, out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone from Redline had, I mean, it, it is such a specific stylistic choice. And, and so finding out there's a lot of shared uh, crew members and creatives that, that helped uh, bring Redline to, to life uh, involved in this series. And this is also the first time that we have a series that kind of plays 
sequentially. Like each episode seems to stand on its own, but there is a kind of a, a continuing narrative thread. There's a through plot to it. And we're going to see a little bit of that moving forward as we, we talk about some other stuff. Um, mo- moving on with some of the other crew of this of this show. Um, Mari Okada wrote this, and I mentioned that because she has had she has a lot of credits uh, in in anime uh, writing. Uh, one of them is Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, which has is not my favorite, but a, a, a good show and one that is is fairly recent. And um, the musical direction uh, of this, and I say musical direction because it's wild that this person directed the music and nothing else, is a guy named Shinichiro Watanabe. Miles, you ever heard that name before? <laughs> we have covered <laughs> Watanabe uh, quite quite closely yeah watanabe is best known for directing this this little low-key anime not many people know about it cowboy bebop <laughs> as which well as- in turn was very very ins- like uh taking insp- inspiration from the original loop in the third so it is kind of a full circle right but he did he did the 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 musical direction for this uh and 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 they actually had a a whole band that worked on on music for it and the music in this show is so good it's so good it's so good it's it's like poppy but jazzy and and it picks up it it, in the way that like in the way that bebop had music that really matched the scenes with a cool kind of funky style this show has that kind of thing and i think watanabe is is you know, likely usually responsible for that. Um, but let's get into the show itself and what the kind of setup for this show is. Because Miles, I think there's something to this show that we did not get to in our episodes. We got like a taste of it at the very mm-hmm. end, but we did not get uh did not get it. But basically this show is a prequel to the Loop in the Third franchise. And the first few episodes especially are basically Fujiko meeting our other Lupin characters. The mm-hmm. first episode in particular, the great thief versus the female phantom thief, <laughs> or sometimes uh, that that tra- that's translated a little differently. Uh, yeah, I, I, Master I, Thief on, versus Lady Looter, I think is how it yeah, gets translated. Yeah, that's how it was on, on Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. Uh, and this involves Fujiko uh sneaking into this weird <laughs> weird cult with this dude who paints a, a psychedelic drug on his body dizzy, and then, dizzy, dizzy, dizzy. and then <laughs> and then uh sweats so that it it kind of permeates out to his crowd of followers that he kind of leads in a, a religious cult fashion and fujiko has uh kind of become his you know wants to become his bride because she wants to steal the treasure from him uh and of course at the same time this is happening oh a kind of well-known thief named lupin the third announces that he's going to steal that very same treasure and it becomes sort of a battle of wits between the two of them uh to to see who is going to steal that treasure i i immediately liked this because this reminds me of a little bit more of how loop in the third part one started where there's comedy and there is comedy throughout the series but it's not as cartoonish like it doesn't overdo it like the comedy's present but the the tone kind of stays with 
kind of the more like, hey, we're we're taking this a little bit more seriously, like the first like 10 episodes of Lupin, the third part one. And I really welcome that. I like seeing Lupin just a little more cool and not not so much a goober. Um, and I mean, he still is, but yeah, but he is he is definitely much more he's much more capable like he's he's yeah. very he's capable in the in the previous shows we've watched but it almost seems like he's accidentally capable in some of those time frames right uh, whereas where, here we actively see he is exceptionally skilled yes and he is he is he's doing that thing uh and of course in traditional lupin fashion they figure out that the the treasure that the this this cult leader was hiding uh, has been the manufacturing for this drug all along uh, and a statue that is made out of it <laughs> that they can't steal that dissolves yeah. in the water so that they walk away with nothing. It's pretty great. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, I, I was very, very satisfied. With this beginning, because, you know, I I didn't I didn't like read about the show before watching it because i really wanted to go in kind of blind so i honestly was a little bit surprised how much it was a lupin show just from more from uh fujiko's perspective and i i wasn't i should have but i wasn't expecting like oh we're actually getting all, all these like uh interconnected characters before we see them in the first show and that's that's a lot of fun because the second episode about uh, Jigen is great. It may be my favorite of the bunch that we watched. Uh, so the second episode, we'll move forward, uh, is 357 Magnum, where the second that was the title, I was like, oh, so Jigen's going to be in this. This will be fun. Right. So uh, Fujiko, we open this with this episode with Fujiko, who is gambling at a casino. and. Uh, cheating she's also cheating at the roulette table <laughs> and the the owner of the casino walks up uh, a, a woman named chikolina and uh, she challenges uh fujiko to a bet and that if she wins the bet she wins the casino but if she loses she has to do a favor to 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 this woman and of course fujiko loses and then is tasked with stealing the 57 magnum of the man who killed her husband Daisuke Jigen, who is working as a, who was who's formerly her husband's bodyguard and is now the bodyguard of a rival gang member after or rival gang leader after switching sides. And uh, it's just this. In the same way that a lot of Jigen stories that we have seen, it reminds me, especially of that one uh, from part two was love on the eastern front or what was it was the soviet union one um do you remember which one i'm talking about uh i know what you're talking about but i can't remember the yeah but so because we get we we then get treated to a number of flashbacks of jigen working for uh chikalina's husband and you there's sort of and and, and she chikalina has has attempted suicide a number of times and there's and there's this whole sort of backstory that's that's kind of kind of strange but with that and and the the husband who won't let her die because he loves her too much and 
but as they go through, it's clear that Chikalina has fe- has feelings for Jigen and Jigen has feelings for Chikalina. And but but there's, you know, betrayal uh, that's about to happen. And uh, and and at the end of the day, you know, we have this classic Jigen uh, Jigen moment where he feels like he's been played by a woman again. And uh <laughs> Yeah, some of the dialogue, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do with a lot of these male characters in this show, but like, and I mean, his actions have certainly uh, said as much in the Lupin show, but he just says, I hate women. <laughs> I mean, he, he, said, he like flat out says that. And he I was said like, that since the, since the, the, the well, part no, one and part he, two. He talks about not trusting women, but he doesn't flat out say, I hate them. And he, I mean, the way he's presented here, Jigen kind of hates everybody. So, I mean, there is that. I think yeah. he's an equal opportunity hater. Because um, uh, he doesn't like anyone that we come in contact with in this show. He's got, he's definitely got a type. Which, the, I mean, that part also reminds me of the of the one that we watched in part three that featured his, uh, his. Oh, his, the, uh, the ballet his, dancer? No, his uh, the ballet dancer was the one in part two. The one in part three was the one where he. Uh, oh, was that the? Hmm. That's that. That's the one where it was the 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 CIA agent who went down yeah. over the Soviet Union because of the yeah. the seed and his wife and Jigen used to have a thing going on and it's a whole thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving forward uh, into episode three. Uh, which is the lady and the samurai. So if you can imagine what this episode could possibly be about, this is our so, G or our Goemon episode. Yeah. And this is a weird one. Like it's, it's, it is the sound of music as done by loop in the third. <laughs> like she, her, her governess name is Maria. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, there's these constant little like, I guess they wanted to do like this kind of like homage to, to that film because there's a lot of little like flourishes and I'm like, oh, this is what they're doing. And and this series does that because it's it's not just this episode that has a classical throwback. Um, we have another episode that we're going to talk about that, that does Phantom of the Opera. And so it is kind of neat to see some of these. um these stories turn on their head a little bit because we know the entire time, like, okay, Fujik is not really a governess, even though she's treating these kids a lot more warmly than I would have expected from her. Well, well, she's not, you know, she's not evil. She's she. No, 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 I'm not saying she's evil, but but like we just from the episodes that we've watched, we haven't seen any of them really deal that much with children, and so. And, and Fujiko kind of has a cynical outlook towards everyone she meets. So for for her to actively um, kind of put a line of like, well, these are innocent kids and, you know, they're there's something special about them. I, I thought that was a really interesting thing. Like, I think one of the cool things about this show is it's not big moments that we get insights on, uh, about who Fujiko is it's these little small subtle things that happen throughout the series that are not these big aha moments, but you're like, Oh man, there's so much more to this character than we even know. And it's great that we don't get to deep dive because part of the allure of Fujiko is her mystery. Yeah. 
her 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 aura. But it is cool that we get moments like this because it 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 gives you a little more insight, but it also tells you how much you don't know about the group. Well, and, and similarly, we have a very interesting take on Goemon in this episode as well, because Goemon has just become an assassin. He has just decided to become an assassin and he's not particularly good at it yet. Uh, he can, he constantly does it fails to kill the person that he is trying to kill and ends up quote, destroying something, uh, lifeless, like destroying something inanimate. He keeps cutting up, uh, inanimate objects and things like that and cursing that he's not killing a person, which is, you know, it's a very Goemon thing to do. Uh, but he also has this habit in this episode of using his fancy swordplay to just cut apart people's clothing. <laughs> no, no, they explode. Like, they, yeah. like, as soon as he does his little blade move, the clothes just explode from the person. And then the and then the 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 guard is just in his underwear standing there. And or then when Fujiko's it's, just or, in a belt. <laughs> or or when it's Fujiko, it's literally just a belt. Um, a belt that she was consequently trying to steal all along. So uh, that's a that's a whole thing. Um, but oh, yeah, that's weird because we see that Goemon's extremely talented and he even gives a reason why he hasn't somebody because, you know, basically. I can't remember if it's if it was like, oh, they they voided the contract by acting dishonorably and then they did something where he's like, yeah, it's null and void and now I'm going to help you. Well, because they tried to kill him. Yeah, because as part of this, we also get uh, we also get some backstory that Goemon has been hired by this person to kill the the king of this, you know, small European nation that is super wealthy. But we learned through the course of the episode that the grandchildren of that king, who are the children of the king's dead son. uh, The son of that is technically first in line to the throne but the but the king's daughter and specifically the king's daughter's husband doesn't think that his wife should be passed over and so plans on assassinating the king but then realizes that he can't just assassinate the king he's got to assassinate the kids too so he tries to to de- he hires somebody to derail this train that they are on which also ends up putting Goemon in danger as well. So Goemon switches sides and basically becomes a hero and saves the day and prevents everybody from dying, uh, as well as uncovering the massive plot to the king himself, uh, which you would think would leave him in completely indebted to uh, that 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 family. But no, he just decides to to go and become an assassin still. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I like this episode because it's it's kind of quirky, but and I mean, every episode that we watched, I thought was very. So when I say this might be my least favorite of the bunch, it really means nothing. It's just of the ones we watched. I felt this was kind of the weakest one a little bit. Yeah, but it's still really it's still really it's fun. Really, yeah, it's and still, really, it's really, good. really good. It's still really good. And, and animated um, super well. I mean, that's that, that's, that's this. That's the series. animated super well. Um. But I I did, like I said, I, I liked the uh, sound music pastiche and I, I thought it was extremely fun. And it goes right into the the Family of the Opera episode. Yeah, so this episode was 
<laughs> this episode threw through a little curveball to to long time Lupin fans. Yeah, uh, and apparently this is more in line with the manga uh, and part and parts of part one. Though I didn't really get this in the part one that we watched. Um, yeah, we only watched you know five out of what fifty two episodes. Yeah. Uh, Zenigata has been in a couple of episodes so far that we watched, but this is the one that he is the most in so far. Um, and, uh, yeah, this episode opens with a, with a, a, a thing I never wanted to think about, but there it is. Um, Fujiko and Zenigata just, you know, having, uh, some fun, let's say. Uh, while some prison guards look on through a peephole in the uh, in the door. <sighs> yeah, and we we also get a little bit more of uh, who I think is. Is this character in other loop and stuff? The Lieutenant no. Oscar Oscar. There, there is a debate because there is one other Oscar character in Lupin the third, and that was uh, named for a. Uh, named for a, a you know, a. a famous literary character, historical figure. I'm not sure which, but was actually a woman dressing as a man or being disguised as a man. And uh, this one, the, the thing about Oscar in this show and Oscar is sort of a, uh, he's, he's uh, Zenigata's sort of assistant his his, his deputy, if you will. Uh, and he's fiercely devoted to Zenigata. Um, but uh, this character is also um, not super masculine. If that's a way to say that I'm not trying to, 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 you know, make fun of anybody or anything like that but there is some some circulation in the fandom and apparently in an episode that happens later oscar dresses as a woman for something or something like that i didn't even watch that episode so i could be completely out of school but there is some interesting like oh that oscar was a woman dressed as a man and this guy's oscar's a man dressed as a woman and that's got to be related in somehow and i don't know i'm just talking at this point because i haven't watched either of these things uh, and I'm just reading what I read on the internet, which of course is 100% accurate all of the time. Um, anyway, I don't like Oscar very much. He's not very nice. <laughs> yeah, Oscar, Oscar is, is, is not, not great. Uh, especially when talking to Fuji. Oh yeah, he is. He's got some some lines. But anyway, so this story is is the reason that Fujiko and Zenigata are working together is because there is a a an opera where the the main uh uh the the what do you, what do you, what do you call the main opera singer? What's the your singer? I mean they, they, there's a name for it. The the not the prima ballerina, not the, pr the prima donna. Prima donna. That's it. That's that's right. Right. That's what yeah, that's yeah. called. I think so. Uh, this uh, a singer named Ion. She was involved in an accident many years ago, so she has to wear uh, which burned her face. And so she has to wear this mask on stage or she chooses to when she sings. And the mask is covered in jewels and is extremely valuable. And of course, Lupin has announced that he is going to steal it. Uh, but of course, when Lupin has announced he's going to steal something, Zenigata gets Fujiko to stop him from stealing it. And Fujiko maybe wants to steal it first. <laughs> so that's what this episode is. It's it's a heist and hijinks. <laughs> and it, it's it's really fun. Um, a lot of the hijinks are are very fun. I like the twist 
with uh, the Family of the Opera story where you think it's going one way. Well, and, 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 and so we I, should, I think the bait and switch here is really, really good. Yeah, we should also say while all this is going on and while some of these some of these. Uh, 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 schemes between Lupin and Fujiko are happening. There is this this character called the is it the ghost of the of the opera? I can't remember the. Can't remember what they call it. I thought they called it. A, I think I think it was just ghost. Yeah, uh, and, which is basically it's basically the Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 stops them from doing it. And the reveal of who that is and what is actually going on is is rather interesting. And of course, uh, prevents Lupin and Fujiko from having any <laughs> any reward. I the the anticlimax of of this one is so subverting of all the tropes and it's the perfect way to end it with hey would you guys you guys like to stay for dinner yeah like it's i i loved that finish i thought that was such a a wonderful little turn and um i i don't even know if i want to spoil like the twist in this one because this was the first one where i was like oh this is a cool this is a cool way of doing the story yeah like I, I was I was really kind of pleasantly surprised because I was like, OK, this is what's going to happen. And like. They know that, you know, what the story is going to be. So they they twist it in a way that one, it does defy your expectations, but does so in a satisfying manner. And yes. I really, really appreciate. That. Yeah. Uh, the the, um, the person who turned out to be the 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 Scooby Doo villain was who I thought was going to be the Scooby Doo villain, but. It, there was more to it than that. And I really yeah. did enjoy that. And that that's the fun part is. Yeah, there's more to it. Um, and then that brings us to our our final episode. Yes. Uh, blood soaked triangle. Blood soaked triangle. This is a pretty Fujiko light episode. Yeah, this is maybe the most Lupin episode we've it's, had so it far. is a lupin episode that like fujiko is like the puppet master for this episode but yeah. it's it's all about the meat cute of uh jigen and lupin yeah which i really liked this episode for that I think it's great so uh fujiko has invited lupin over to wherever she is <laughs> and asks him to steal this this uh red feathered peacock this this statue that is hidden in a pyramid that they have recently rediscovered in egypt uh and if and that if he brings if he does that she'll marry him or do something with him you know that whole thing um meanwhile jigen is in town on kind of a spiritual journey he's trying to rediscover himself because he feels like he can't go back and do what he was doing before so he's gone kind of a on kind of just a a a quest of rediscovery and ends up getting roped into this this whole thing as well and uh, as they as jigen and lupin independently go into this pyramid and fight traps and fight each other trying to to get to the bottom of this this red feathered peacock statue and this stuff is so fun because you see the two of them being pretty evenly matched in in a lot of ways that you don't always get to see like Jigen and Lupin have always worked together, 
and, and they're they're kind of the two that work together most. But in this one, you see Lupin get take advantage of Jigen and you see Jigen take advantage of Lupin in different ways that neither of them are immediately aware of in the moment. And it's just a fun thing to see as they sort of solve these this sort of Indiana Jones style uh, mission in this pyramid. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and especially when Fujika reenters the picture as they're in the final <laughs> the final trap of the of of the 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 pyramid and you know sort of the resolution of all of that where they they figure out what they need to do um but and they actually claim the peacock until they don't and uh it's it's in this moment though miles that i have to say there's an element to this show that i am aware of because i did some some looking ahead but we don't really get a ton of information on. And did you watch you watched the opening credits? Obviously, mm-hmm. did you ever watch the ending credits of this all the way through? I did not actually. <laughs> yeah. So you see what appears to be a much younger Fujiko. In different rooms of this of this house. um, And. I say much younger, not that much younger, but uh, uh. And it's kind of weird. So like, who is this character? What is she doing? And I am aware that there is a backstory portion to Fujiko where she does not have memories past a certain point. And that and that touching this touch and uh, that touching this peacock and putting it back at the end of this and putting it back into to where it needs to go so they can escape. We see a weird flash of. Yeah, we do. Of who looks like the character in the end credits. And uh, I I only say that is interesting. I don't know if that was part of the manga, but it's certainly part of Faye Valentine's characterization. <laughs> I was I was going to say, I'm like, wow, that sounds super familiar. <laughs> and given that the, the people that worked on this, you know, it's like, oh, OK, which, hey, I, I like it. I think it's great. Um, I think that. Again, adding more mystery to Fujika's story, I mean, just makes her infinitely more. And I, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to try to find time to carve out to watch the rest of the series because I mean, this is, so here's the thing. I, I, I will say this is my favorite thing that we've watched so far. All right. Me uh, too. Partially because it's got a narrative of continuing narrative, but I also think the tone is just pitch perfect. Um, I mean, it's also, it's, said, it's also partially that this is from 2012. This is not something from, the early 70s or right. the late 70s or so the, the mid 80s <laughs> the, the 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 storytelling in anime and storytelling in general has changed animation quality is f- way far beyond anything that we have seen before and style oh, yeah. is so much a part of this too well there, there there's also that I, w- I will say even though it's my one of my favorite things that we've watched so far I would I would not say, oh, yeah, you can just watch this because it really does help to have some background knowledge of the characters. I agree Is it 100 percent necessary? No, but the weight of what you're watching is much heavier when you know who Lupin is and who Goemon is and who Jigen is and who Fujiko is like all this stuff is made better by having some familiarity with these characters. Yes, I agree. I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, 
the only problem that I have with being able to watch this show is that I, I don't tell my employers, I like to watch stuff in some downtime at work. And this is nearly impossible to do. <laughs> I would, I would rather keep my job than be caught watching this on the job. <laughs> and so that is literally the only thing that's keeping me from already having this done. I was going to have the series done. Cause I, I love, I, and this, it's only, uh, 13 episodes. Yeah. It's 13 episodes, yeah, 13 episodes. Um, so I, I really, really, really like this. And, and we watched enough that I feel like we just get the hint of what is going to be happening later on that, mm-hmm. that they, that they, they just, they, they tell these stories so well now that, that they do all this setup. And then they sort of hit you with the big story elements. And I just, I want to keep watching so much. I yeah. really, really like this. I, I, I do too. I think, I think it's an absolute blast. It's certainly a treat for, for Lupin fans. And yeah, it certainly enjoys uh, turning expectations on its head in, in respect to the sexuality of the character. But I think that's one thing, another thing that makes it an interesting show. And I mean, it's gorgeously animated. The music, nominal the dub is excellent i mean i i really have no notes uh right now for the show i mean unless they just don't stick the landing i think this show specifically is excellent and i believe it did win some awards i uh, believe it did as well in, in, in japan and got what three spinoff movies and there are three spinoff movies jigen's gravestone goemon's blood spray and fujiko's lie um all of uh, these 100 want to watch an all jigen all the time movie yeah uh, <laughs> so all of these uh are actually directed by uh let me make sure that fujiko's lie is i'm not sure who directed fujiko's lie but uh jigen's gravestone and goemon's blood spray are directed by takeshi koike who was the red line director mm-hmm. um so so that he has much more involvement uh in in those two um and apparently the Goemon movie is the best animation in his style that he's done since Redline or Trava Planet. <laughs> Isn't that the most recent thing he's done? He's done a lot of he's done a lot of of episode work and things like that. Um, Some someone someone fund this dude's. Uh... <laughs> he seems to, he seems to get more work as a straight up animator more than than a director of things but uh but anyway i the the crew behind this sayo yamamoto takeshi koike uh all of it it's it it's really something special Mm -hmm. and it's something different it is it takes everything that we've seen about lupin so far and just kind of just just puts a polish to it that makes it feel like a very I'm going to use the term mature not just in content but in the way that it tells its stories like it's it's definitely it's on a it seems to be on a higher level than what we've seen so far and uh yeah I'm really really into it uh and and that's going to be our discussion of the woman called Fujiko Mine but don't worry we're not done yet, and we're going to see Fujiko as early as next week as we talk about next. Uh, not that long after uh, the woman called Fujiko Mine, they decided to create a brand new Lupin the Third 
series, Lupin the Third Part Four, also known as the Blue Jacket series, because Lupin's jacket is a very nice blue. I like this jacket a lot. Uh, this is uh this is an, a, in in the similar fashion to uh, Fujiko Komine. They, this is a series that are that seems to be have some one-off episodes, but has sort of an overarching plot. Uh, it is often known as the Italian, uh, the Italian caper or the Italian, uh, uh, Italian game. I, I, I'm losing my ability to talk right now, Miles, but, <laughs> uh, but that's because all of these episodes, this entire, this entire series takes place in Italy um, as they're doing sort of, you know, one big heist after another. Uh, and so we are going to start with the first five episodes of this, starting with episode one, The Marriage of Lupin the Third. Uh, all of these are available, I believe, on Amazon Prime right now. I'm not sure if they are available on anywhere else. Uh, and you can check that out there. So that's what we are going to be doing. Lupin the Third Part Four, um, which it feels like we've been covering Lupin for a long time now. And I still feel like I know very little about it, but uh, I know. Right. <laughs> but that's going to be next week, gang. So until next time, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at the more You can tweet to us at the more you nerd and get a Facebook.com slash the more you nerd. And you can email us the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. We actually got an email from Firevolt this week, but I don't have it pulled up. Uh, so we're going to have to talk about that one next week. Sorry, dude. Uh, so in this meantime, we are going to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd. Ouch. Ouch.